0: Hello, and welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Hart, aka Jeffrey the Natural Builder. Building Sustainability consists of conversations with designers, builders, makers, dreamers, and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello, this is Building Sustainability, episode 36. It has been just one week since the last episode. I thought you deserved another. Um In November, I worked my little socks off doing interviews on my Mondays, which are my dedicated podcast day. And so I've racked them up and I've got a bank that I can now trickle out. But kind of feels a bit greedy toward them, especially because we're all pandemic fatigued. And it's Christmas. So this one's on me. Consider it a gift. Before I get properly into the episode... I wanted to say a massive thanks to Nikki Gibson. Uh, Nikki has helped me out with some of the graphic design for the podcast. So I thought I should tell you a bit about what she does. Um, And she makes the most incredible prints of leaves. So she gets a, a leaf and she inks it up and then prints it straight onto a paper. So you get one of a kind leaf prints. Currently, I have three on the boat. I think they're the most beautiful thing. Um, So if that sounds like a thing you'd like, head over and check out her Instagram. I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay, this episode. This week, we are talking to Claire Whitney from Clayworks. And Clayworks are producers of very, very beautiful clay plasters. We talked through the many benefits of living in a clay plastered house and we talk about the results of Clayworks Environmental Product Declaration, which looks at the embodied carbon uh, of any given product. We also talked a lot about how Clayworks are presenting clay plasters to the mainstream construction world, not as a hippie alternative, but as a high-end product. Fun fact about Clayworks, they plastered every Nando's in the UK. That's it for me On to the episode. Enjoy.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
2: uh, I mean, I'm, I'm here obviously representing uh, Adam and Katie. So mm-hmm. my, my background is I, I met Adam and Katie when they were doing quite a bit of cob building. So like you, they, they studied in America and they studied uh, also in Japan and uh, they studied vernacular architecture all over the world and came back, uh, came back to Cornwall and, um, Started doing cob building and they're doing quite a lot of work for Prince Charles and various other estates uh, around Cornwall and in Scotland. And that's kind of when I got in involved and uh, just sort of helping as a, as a, as a freelancer, I guess. And, uh, in, and in was,
0: building or in
2: more, more on the business and marketing side okay. of it. Yeah. So, so we, we were just sort of looking at how to expand the business and we realized that there was, so much value. Well, Adam and Katie realized there was so much value in, in clay, in clay plasters. And, uh, that the, the cob buildings they were building had, um, lime on the outside, clay on the inside. And, um, I think the, the fascination with clay grew from that. And as you know, they wrote a book called cob in Cornwall and then followed that by using natural finishes, which was lime and clay. And, uh, the, the fascination with clay plaster grew and grew and became the the question was how how could they make it available to more people and how could they make it available to people in in inner cities and urban environments because at that time which must have been around 2005 something like that clay was primarily being dug up on site still it was still a shovel and a wheelbarrow job and uh, that that just wasn't scalable so, um, so I, I started working with them at that time when they started to do some very serious research and development and, uh, got, got involved with, the uh, with various universities, various testing labs. And they, they, they worked to, to create a clay that could be literally ready to mix with water that could be put in bags and ready to mix with water. And that, that, that actually wasn't a quick process. It uh, it took several years of researching, multiple different clays and, uh, and and aggregates and and all of the materials that are in a clay plaster, and um, clays clays aren't one material. They're there are lots and lots of different geochemical formulas and uh, I could bore you with all sorts of details about platelets and that sort of thing but um, please do it's, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's about finding finding the right clays with the right sort of platelets finding the right mixes the right formulas uh, testing testing and the the, the biggest sort of nut crack was to find a clay plaster that didn't crack. And the perception of clay was that uh, clay plasters crack, and that's always the first question that we get asked: Is it going to crack? Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's what the research and development really really focused on was one that wouldn't crack, that could be used a little bit like like gypsum, but um, so that it didn't scare plasters. It wasn't sort of considered a a mysterious deep art. It was uh, it was easy to use, ready to use good clay plaster that, uh, that, that would go on easily and, and, and last the, the time and, and not fall off the walls and not crack. So, um, so after several years, really, of, of, of testing and, and research, the, the, the very first clay plaster was launched in 2010. And um, the, our first sort of real high-profile customer was, was Nando's, and, uh, and things sort of took off for, from there. Yeah. And since since then, there's a continuous focus on on research, on development. We're 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 always doing that. That's something that we've um, we've sort of in, increased on this year. It's something we've really put a lot of additional energy into this year. Is uh, is is improving the products again, and mm-hmm. um, we're looking we're looking to introduce one or two. What we would call novel products, new products. We're looking all the time to just make them a a little harder, a little more durable. If that's what people want, we want to make them a little, uh, a little higher performing in terms of um, their, their relative humidity credentials, which are always already the highest of pretty much any building material other than sort of longitudinal wood but um no harm in in improving that so so yeah we're researching colors textures performance everything the the whole time and that that's an ongoing process so that's kind of um potted history of where we've been and where we've got to (laughs) so uh so i've i came on board several years ago uh, in a more sort of full-time capacity Mm-hmm. And uh, Katie is on maternity leave and uh, has been for uh, for uh, for a couple of years now. She's focusing on uh, on on a couple of young children, and uh, and and Adam's just sort of running around trying to hold everything together with the company, <laughs> yeah. all the different aspects to uh, to a growing company. So exciting times!
0: Yeah, well, do you know what they? I think I think I might have spoken to Adam a couple of times, but the last time I spoke to him. Uh, he, I've sent him a question about, about one of the products and then he phoned me the next morning and, uh, I think he, they just had their, uh, maybe their second child, uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh, at that, you know, that evening and he was phoning me the next morning just to give me a quick bit of information and then, you know, go and, go and get back to, to the, the new parenthood, uh, part. Yes, uh,
2: so that must have been sort of a, a year, a year and a half ago, more or less. Now, yeah. So, uh, so uh, yes, he he and the family—they're they're all well. They're all thriving.
0: Great, and, well, that's uh, good and to hear.
2: Clay works is uh, onwards and upwards. For the the other, days. the
0: other child, the the Clayworks child is uh, is growing nicely. Uh, like.
2: Yes, yes, he's really he's got three babies to manage. <laughs> <laughs> No, not to mention that not to mention me. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Lovely. Um, so that was a really great a great sort of overview. Well, you mentioned sort of testing out different clays and, and things like that. Um, where did you where do you end up sourcing your, your clay from? Is it a, a local call more clay
2: we we source the clays from uh, across the south of England uh, actually and um, so we try to source the the, the bulk of the products as, as locally as we can um as as I said the formulas are are quite complex there are sort of coca-cola formulas and um, it's uh, there, there's not just one or two uh, materials in there 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 are several materials mm-hmm. in uh, in in each each finish that we produce so um, um, so obviously, we we want to source from as locally as possible and reduce the transport and uh, obviously the carbon and, and the costs of all of that. So um, so yeah. So primarily the the south of England.
0: Great. Um, and then um, the, the the well the, probably the first thing I actually wanted to ask you was um, you've just produced or released a, an environmental product declaration. We have yes. What's yes. what's that about yes. for, for people that don't know?
2: We've, we've known all along that clay is regarded as the most sustainable wall finish available. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it doesn't take many sort of Google searches to find that everybody says that and everybody assumes that. And there are numerous papers and numerous websites all saying clay is really, really sustainable. And, um, but when, when you talk with architects who are now much more aware about uh, data and needing to prove that something is sustainable and they're asked, they're being asked to do more analysis of the building, of the embodied carbon in a building. And um, we, we, we found that they were relying on, on data with regard to clay work, with regard clays, so that was kind of assumptive. It, it was there were clumsy assumptions. So, um, so the, the the main data was based on sort of assumptions. Well, if you if you dig up a bit of clay here and a bit of sand there and add it all together, this is the eventual uh, embodied carbon. But we we wanted to find out exactly how much embodied carbon was was in our product, and the the reason that we we want this information so that architects can put that data into their building modeling and they can work out how much embodied carbon is involved in the the entire life cycle of a building. So uh so it's it's a kind of a benchmark uh it, as it were. And uh, when you do an environmental product declaration you end up with what we call a, a magic figure at the end and that magic figure is essentially how many tons of carbon are embodied in the material per meter squared or per kilogram however you want to do your calculations so we we needed to come up with that magic figure for uh, for architects and we we found that architects were increasingly asking for for some sort of certification and it's all very well for us to say yes clay, clay is sustainable but um, but we're we're in this day and age where you have to prove it now, and uh, it's a bit like uh, the the fire certificate. You, you know, we we all know that clay doesn't burn, but we did have to prove that. We did have to get an official fire certificate, and uh, and now we've proved that it is uh, that it is a very sustainable material. So what what the life cycle analysis does, which underpins the environmental product declaration, is it. Measures all of the carbon that gets embodied from the, the the very start of the process so the extraction of the raw material, right through to its end of life. So, because clay, it, it's readily available. Uh, it's it's easy to extract. It comes to our facilities, and uh, at, at which point we don't there's no sort of processing there's no additives we don't use water we don't produce waste there's uh there's no no processing as such clay remains a raw material and it's then packaged into compostable brown bags and shipped to site and on a construction site there is no waste and um, firstly, because everybody keeps anything that's left over as a spare or additional material, if there were waste, it doesn't have to be landfilled. It uh, it it can just go straight back into the ground. It's it's just raw materials. And uh, and then of course, at the end of life, we 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 prefer to see our clay plasters put onto compostable boards, um, which means that at the end of life, the the, the again they're all compostable if they're onto a wood fibre board or, or a clay board or something, then the whole lot can just go go back into the ground and, and be composted with the uh, with green waste. So consequently there's there's very little carbon that becomes embodied in into clay plasters compared to other materials. And uh, so the environmental product declaration it's it's been done by by third party consultants. And, uh, it's, it's been a very, very long process of them auditing, auditing, auditing us. And they come up with the report and then that is further audited by another third party. Um, so it's, it's not just our word for it. Uh, So an environmental product declaration is a third party accredited and verified document. So, um, so it's, uh, we, we don't even completely understand all of it, but what, what we have is we've, we've been through the process. We, we understand that we have, we have a number now. We now have data and uh, we have verified data that, to, that architects all around the world can, can work with and to, to say, uh, to model into, into their buildings. So, you know, we have, we have architects declare and, and that sort of thing in this country. There are similar things going on around the world, and there's a big push for much more sustainability and this, this huge push towards zero carbon. So our, our data will, will help. And I, I think that, you know, the environmental product declaration is, is particular to clayworks. So whereas before people were working on this sort of uh, fairly clumsy, assumptive data, and uh, and and now we have data it's it's based on our product it's da- based on um there's, there's lots of things in there that affect the outcome so because most of our products are sourced fairly locally because we have um, we we have a, a premises we have a headquarters where that's very open we use nearly all natural light uh we use very very little energy um so uh up just the way we work, the way we source, everything like that. We've, we've worked really, really, really hard to reduce uh, re- reduce all carbon in our processes, renewable energy sources, all, all that sort of thing. So, um, so it's, um, it, it's a data source that's particular to, to clay works. And um, it, we're just kind of quite proud now that we, we've generated that. I think we're the first clay plaster manufacturer in the world to have done that. And uh, we, we just hope that it, it will be a help nice
0: to architects yeah what what is the number
2: the magic number is well the um I, th- I think the we we have uh we actually have two products we have um a smooth uh a smooth clay plaster and then a rustic clay plaster and they're they're, they're completely different formulations so we, we've got two magic numbers and uh i think off the top of my head one is 0.4 and the other is 0.6 and that and, is kilograms
0: uh, of carbon per
2: Per, uh, per per kilogram. Yes.
0: Okay. So yes. a kilogram yes. of, of product.
2: Yes. Yes. So so compare that with say um general plaster is 0.1. Okay, like um, gypsum plaster. Yes, but that's that's at source. That's not the whole life cycle. Mm-hmm. So uh, that tends to be uh, processed at source so there's no transport costs. So they're not really directly comparable, but uh, again if you take say paint so paint is two point nine one, so wow. multiple, multiple times clay plaster, and the beauty of course of clay plaster is it 's naturally pigmented yeah, so we, uh, there, there is no requirement from for paint at, at any time uh, that it, during its life cycle. So whereas in a, in a normal building, there'll be a, a lot of paint required, both at the beginning and through the lifetime of the building, we, we reduce the, the whole need for, for paint and, uh, and, and any other sort of plaster products. Yeah. So, um, so yes, it, it needs to be compared to, to a whole wall build up. Yeah, uh, but um, so uh, so yeah. So we're 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 pretty pleased with the with the outcome, and of course the other thing that's that's come out of the the process of doing the the product declaration is you know areas where we can further improve. So we've we've got ideas for for further improvement as well.
0: That's great, and that's great yeah. that you're yeah so committed because I I don't know. Uh, I mean, how common are these environmental product declarations?
2: They're becoming more common and they, like, like as I said, they're, they're a global standard. So American architects are asking for them, Western architects uh, across the whole of Europe. They're, they're becoming more and more common. And, uh, they're, they're not, they're not just for, for building materials. They're, therefore, uh, they can be used for furnishings, carpets, furniture, or all of that sort of thing. So, um, so yes, it's, it, it's, it's a growing area because as far as I know, there aren't really any other sort of globally recognized, um, sort of certifications, accreditations like this for, uh, for embodied carbon. And uh, so the the fact that this is 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 a global standard means that you can have global benchmarks, um, which is uh, which is great for the industry and and really really helpful for architects. It it solves a lot of problems. EPDs they're recognised by a lot of the other. Building standards around the world, so they're recognised by LEED, by BRIAM, uh, by the Wellbeing Institute. Uh, they they all award uh, big big points for environmental product declarations.
0: Excellent, and it's, it's great to know that uh, embodied carbon is is. It seems like it's beginning to really be be taken notice of. It's for for a long time, it seemed like it was just a forgotten part of of construction.
2: It, um, it, it was. I mean, we, we noticed the change in the industry probably 18 months, two years ago. Uh, there's, there's always been this, this focus on operational energy so the 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 power and uh, the the electricity and uh, all all those sorts of things and um and sustainable building became sort of synonymous with the uh, with uh, solar panels and heat pumps and, uh, and 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 energy heat and and all of that sort of thing and embodied energy was the forgotten carbon but um it's 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 rapidly increased in in profile over the last eighteen months, and it is very fundamental now to uh, to uh, a lot of these big initiatives being led by sort of Architects Declare and uh, the, uh, the the REBA challenge, and uh, that that was all launched last year. That, that that put a lot of emphasis on on carbon. But so, what is the uh,
0: REBA challenge?
2: So in June 2019, the Royal Institute of British Architects, RIBA, uh, they voted to join the global declaration of, uh, of the environment and climate emergency. And uh, that uh, the climate emergency was demanding urgent action and leadership by architects and the wider construction industry. So RIBA uh, developed its 2030 climate challenge, which is uh, an initiative setting targets for practices to adopt um to to re- reduce the operational energy and the embodied carbon within their within their projects so it's an initiative driven by reba to really try and encourage all architects in in great britain to reduce operational and embodied carbon and uh, and and Reba, Reba said it's, uh, set a target and Reba said it wanted to reduce embodied carbon in all Reba projects by uh, at least 50 to 70 percent. And uh, it it wants to achieve all core health and well being targets on overheating, daylighting, uh, CO two levels, all of those sorts of things. Um, and the, the challenge also can um, also addresses VOCs, formaldehydes, all of those sorts of things. So, uh, so we we tick a, a, a lot of boxes there.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess that that sort of leads us nicely on to to talking about benefits. What are the benefits of uh, a clay plastered room
2: well um the, the the direct benefits to to the person in the room of course are the the healthy benefits so um uh clay clay plasters sort of have this there's two aspects to why they are so healthy and the 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 obvious benefit is because they're pure so there's uh, there's no um, no VOCs in, involved. There's no formaldehydes, and there's um, no PCBs, no lead, no asbestos, no, no nothing that, uh, that that's going to be poisonous if if you breathe it in. And, um, it's, it, it's pure natural. There's, there's never been any sort of additives or anything like that. So, um, so volatile organic compounds and, and formaldehydes tend to get uh, in, introduced to a lot of materials. And, uh, even sort of when they say that they're healthy, they, they still contain those, a very tiny amount of those materials. So, yeah, so we, we don't contain any VOCs or formaldehydes. And any of those other other materials that uh, that are so commonly associated with building products, we also don't contain fl- uh, flame retardants because clay doesn't burn, so you don't need those uh, fl- those flame retardants. So the the material is is just pure pure and natural. Um, the 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 thing that really makes clay plaster healthy actively healthy it's um it's quite quite complex science but clay what clay does is because it's a raw material it's constantly absorbing water from the air so when it's on on the walls it's it it doesn't set it doesn't set like a a say a lime plaster or a paint or a varnish it um it remains raw. And I don't know if you've ever worked with ceramics or anything, but when you're working with clay, if you put water on it, it gets absorbed really, really quickly. So so the clay is absorbing water from the air. When it becomes more moist than the air, it releases it back to the air. So so it has this uh, th- this condition where it's taking moisture releasing moisture uh, it used to be called breathability I think there's there's a move in the industry to sort of drop that term um, but um, it's kind of mo- moisture buffering I think is the technical term but what it what it does is it how, it, what the, the net result is it helps to create an indoor air humidity level of a critical level of between around 40 to 60 percent. And that level has multiple benefits for, for health. So at, at that level, it, um, viruses, viruses and bacteria struggle to survive so viruses and bacteria like really dry or really moist conditions um both they they uh, the levels of both of those Decrease and decrease at uh, um, from from sort of zero percent down to forty percent, and then they increase again after sixty percent relative humidity. So really good for keeping bacteria and viruses at bay. Obviously for keeping fungi at at bay. Um, fungi don't like uh, moist conditions and damp conditions, and uh, spores and and, uh, and and damp spores and those sorts of things can be toxic. It's also the humidity level at which dust mites don't uh, don't survive, and it's the the faeces of dust mites that contribute to asthma and and respiratory conditions. Um, Many allergies are exacerbated by moist or, or dry conditions and, and and also chemical reactions within uh, within a, a building are, are exacerbated by uh, moisture conditions and there 's also some some evidence that, uh, that that clay is a passive removal of of ozone uh, within a building and that uh, that needs to it um, ozone reacts to create more formaldehyde. So clay will work actively within a a, a space to reduce formaldehydes that are given off by other materials. So Clay's effectively sort of working really hard all the time to, to keep a building or to keep a, a space a room uh, really healthy, in, in, in many ways, mm. and in, in many ways that uh, that, that are, are very that well, that just aren't obvious.
0: There's there's that fascinating uh, graph, isn't there? Which it's got a, a relative humidity, and it's, you know from zero to one hundred percent, and then yeah, uh, you know, all the all the different things you've talked about, you know, they peak. Peak either at a high or low end of that, and then sort of disappear into the middle, uh, or, or you know, uh, maybe in some instances both sides. And there's this sort of little clear corridor down the middle.
2: That's, uh, yes, that, that, that graph is really useful. That, that graph's actually been produced, uh, in Germany by, um, by, uh, it's part of the, the, what they call the HL H, H, H house, uh, research, uh, initiative. And, uh, yes, yes, it's, uh, it, it just about sums up everything I said really, really usefully. Yes. Uh, brilliant. So there's a lot, there's a lot of ongoing research again into, into relative humidity. By controlling the relative humidity, you can obviously reduce the need for mechanical intervention. Uh, within a building so again there's a lot of talk right now about ventilation how important that is within a building there's a lot of concern now about recirculated air uh, aac and uh, hvac and all, all of these sorts of things and how effective they are and what what clay can do is um, not replace those things but it can certainly help and it can reduce the need for for those sorts of mechanical interventions and it's uh it, it's generally been calculated that if you use clay plaster in a room you can reduce the need for the operational energy required to drive those mechanics by about 30 percent so so indirectly clay can help reduce uh, operational uh, energy as well as uh, as, an operational carbon not as as well as the the embedded carbon
0: i don't know if it's, it's it's proven or if it's it's anecdotally but um the 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 sort of example that's always given is in a bathroom. If it was clay plastered, you know, the, when you had a shower, your your mirror wouldn't wouldn't fog up. Yes,
2: yes, yes. So this uh, this was research that was done um, by uh, Tom Morton. Um, in in Scotland, and he did uh, he did a lot of research on clay plasters, and uh, he he was the one that published the the paper saying how you you don't even need a fan in the bathroom because you you, you don't even get a foggy mirror if uh, if you use clay because it's absorbing that that moisture. So it is uh, yeah. it, it is important to say at at this stage that clay. Clay can be used in a bathroom. We're, we're asked this question probably two or three times a day. Uh, can clay go in a bathroom and a kitchen? Yes, definitely. Uh, it's, it's great for absorbing excess moisture. It cannot go, however, in a shower. It's, it's not suitable for areas where there's running water. So clay plasters are, are an interior finish. Um, and uh, they can be used throughout the interior of the home except for wet rooms and, uh, and not suitable for exteriors either
0: because because they're because they're raw, because they're raw. They yeah, yeah
2: yeah yeah they they get washed away by the driving rain especially in cornwall <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have seen them, them used externally at uh down to earth project uh and they they just made sure they had a monster great overhang on their uh i mean it's a wraparound veranda yes no moisture is gonna hit that wall we uh
2: Uh, we worked um, with down to earth project on 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 that mm. on that project and uh supplied uh, some clay plasters for for that yeah they're they're doing they're doing incredible work we're we're great great admirers of them yes me too
0: (laughs) (laughs) what about um sort of acoustic performance i think that's something that's often overlooked but it, there's always talk of, certainly in natural homes, there's a, there's a feeling that people can't, you know, the sort of more sort of hippie types might say, oh, you know, they just feel great and they, they can't really understand why, but it feels good. Uh, and then I, I often think it's probably because the materials are a little bit softer and therefore acoustically it's probably having quite a big effect.
2: Yes. So um so funny you should mention acoustics um because we are uh, we have a laboratory booked tomorrow. Uh, and, and we have went. clay clay panels on their way now to a laboratory to all be tested for for acoustics. So you're you're absolutely right. Clay plasters are, are well known for for softening sound for their amazing sort of sound absorption uh, qualities, and uh, consequently the the they're very sort of coveted for um, for public buildings. So you know, restaurants they really soften that that noise. But they're also they're also valuable in museums and um, and uh, and theatres and that sort of thing because because they 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 absorb the noise they they create a beautiful acoustic and of course they they keep the the atmosphere at um uh, at the right relative humidity so um acoustics yes it's it's primarily been anecdotal a- again today uh to date and um it's been one of those things that's been passed on since millennium about how amazing clay plasters are but again we've been asked again and again and again Prove it. <laughs> so we're going to prove it, and uh, we're we're going to create all sorts of data that, once again, we won't understand, but um, the the lab will understand, and the architects will understand, and we'll have uh, we'll have acoustic uh, qualitative data for for all of our all of our materials. So that that's going to be really interesting to see uh, to see what that sort of comes out as.
0: No, that's fascinating, and it's so great to. Uh, to, to sort of finally, you know, to have that data, because as, as we have said, it's, you know, it's all been anecdotal and everyone, there's, there's sort of known quantities, but, uh, to just be able to put a, a number on it and say yes, it will do this.
2: Yeah, so I mean, I mean architects are uh, are increasingly modelling, and they they have all these clever modelling scenarios now. And I, I think uh, architectural physics is is a growing uh, a growing area now. And of course, you've got all the the passive house designers who are doing amazing work, and uh, and what what they want is is just data, data, data. And we we can't rely anymore more on sort of standardized data, as I said, as assumptive data, because clay plasters now they're they're, they're different. So we uh, there, there are different clay plaster manufacturers around the world. We're we're all creating materials that have different formulas. And they they have different thicknesses, different uh, different formulations, and all sorts of things. And even within our, within our own portfolio of materials, they're they're all really really different, and uh, very different makeups, very different thicknesses, and uh, and and consequently, the the amount of data that you could create would be infinite. But uh, we just want to create some sort of um, some some good. Uh, some good sort of benchmark data again, and quantitative data again it's it's data that's done by a third party so it's not just us saying it it's uh, it's it's certified and accredited
0: excellent well it seems like this is all um really pushing the the sort of transition that i think everyone uh, professionally in in the sort of natural building world is is wanting where it's going from this sort of d i y uh, uh hippie to use a term, uh, a sort of mentality to this, pushing it to a, a mainstream place where it's it's competing on all the same levels as as you know the the processed materials.
2: That's um, that's that's where we would like to see clay, and and that was the original vision of Adam and Katie back in uh, um, you, you know well many years ago, probably almost twenty years ago, 15, 20 years ago was to. To make a clay plaster that could become mainstream, that could be yeah. as easy to use and as widely and readily available as uh, as, as any other plaster, and it's um, we we have to keep working to to keep it sustainable, to uh, to make sure it's healthy, to keep it pure, not to, um, let to, to not sort of stray away from those fundamental core values, but also to just to To make it more widely available and uh, to to scale it and uh, and and to scale the, the production and the um, meat meet demand and um, there's still there's still many many challenges and uh, one is uh, it it's still a material that for many people it's it's still a, an unknown. And people, people don't like change. And architects, architects have had continuous feedback from the architect's profession that they haven't been taught about clay materials in architectural school. So, so this is, this is new for them. This is something that, uh, that, that they're learning about after school. So. We have to say that architects and designers have really sort of embraced clay plasters. They they love the aesthetics and they, they really love all of the performance benefits. And uh, we, we still have some work to do with, with contractors. Contractors still love what they know. Uh, what they've been doing mm-hmm. forever, um, so there's uh, there's quite a lot of persuading to do sometimes with the contractors when it gets to that end of the uh, of the of the project. But um, again, that that's changing. We have uh, we have numerous now uh, really skilled, really good clay plasterers uh, around the world. Uh, who've worked with our materials, who've created amazing projects and uh, amazing pieces of work, and uh, that's that that that's fantastic because um, as we have more and more really good clay plasterers around the world, that gives contractors more confidence in the material, and um, and of course uh, ourselves and other clay plaster manufacturers around the world, we've uh, we've we've all sort of been selling. Now, clay plasters that are ready to mix for, um, for, for most of the century, so, and they're still on the walls. So, uh, so the material's gaining gaining confidence, gaining credibility in, in the industry. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, it's exciting, exciting to see. We'll be back after a quick break.
0: Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pat Show. That's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with the old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I actually um, just discovered a... Uh, a use well a way that uh clay is being used in the, the mainstream um in that uh it's being used as the teaching medium for people on conventional plastering courses oh okay uh, because so my a friend of mine was was doing a course that he was put on by wait, what is it C- it's not a citb it's a, a BTEC plastering course and uh yeah they they were all plastering with clay plasters um because at the end of the day they can scrape it all down put it back in the mixer and away they go fantastic and um yeah and he he came to it that that course from plastering with me okay uh, with clay and so he was you know just chuckling away as he, he got you know got back to his his well-known material
2: yeah well that's i mean that's that's really good good to hear because as it becomes a more familiar product then it's uh, it's going to gain traction in in the marketplace uh, and that's mm. that's good for all clay plaster manufacturers and good for the environment and good for for healthy buildings for sure
0: yes yeah absolutely so i want to talk a little bit about uh the sort of finishes um, because if you uh, look on your website um the, the the sort of range of finishes from just a very conventional plastered surface up to really quite quite experimental uh textures and and uh, quite playful sort of sweeps and curves um how i mean your your product obviously i mean it sort of encourages almost some of that that experimentation.
2: Yes. And, and that's, uh, that's actually where, where we started. So, uh, the, the first clay plasters that, um, that were released by Clayworks were, were sort of a more rustic finish which is quite a thick finish it's about uh 10 10 millimeters thick um and those those are the the finishes that were sort of coveted by companies such as Nanda's. and did uh, all all of the Nanda's restaurants are are different uh they, they don't follow that sort of um that, that formulaic um uh franchise type type look they're they're they they have a similar look and a feel, but they're all different. And the designers for each and were very encouraged by the brand to to be experimental and sort of create some type of African type finishes, um, and and that's where sort of they they had a field day with uh, with clay plasters and uh, they they were able to to layer it to carve it to, to layer different colours and then sort of scrape back um, a technique called scrafido and uh, and to create all of these amazing 3D sculptural wall finishes where. With the uh, with the clay plasters, and um, they sort of uh, they sort of set the standard, as it were. We we were very lucky that uh, that they they adopted our clay plasters like that, and um, and you know clay plaster artisan clay plasterers around the world just started um developing all of their own finishes coming up with their own carvings and 3d 3d wall finishes and uh, and then people started architects would say to us well we want to tell a story or we want to do some wayfinding or some sign writing can can we do this and the way that we work with architects is we 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 will do a lot of the collaborative work with them back at our headquarters we'll work on coming up with colors and textures and carvings and uh uh, and 3d effects that that they want we create them custom for for the architects and designers so um so again that's that's ongoing where we're doing a ongoing work in in that field, coming up with ever more sort of weird and wonderful and beautiful finishes. And uh, sometimes they're they're just sort of uh, the artistic license of designers. Other times they're designed to replicate something else that's going on in the building. So, for example, uh, shuttered concrete. And uh, we we were asked by Alexander McQueen um, several years ago to... To see if we could create a finish that replicated some shattered concrete they had in an old building. And, uh, and we, we were able to do that using the sort of the texture and the, the sculptural ability of, of clay and working with color and texture to, to sort of create that sort of thing. So we, we can do a lot of that. We've been working more recently with creating finishes that replicate the beauty of, of round earth. So, clay being raw it is raw earth on the walls so working again with color and texture we can create rammed earth effects and uh, uh, rammed earth is is an architectural technique that that we love and uh, we would advocate it wherever possible but sometimes it's not possible in inner cities so so people are using clay plasters instead to create that sort of effect so the the effects of um Sculptures, carvings, color, texture—just mean that, that uh, there's, there's an infinite number of uh, of wall finishes that can that can be finish, uh, achieved by architects and uh, good arts artisan plasterers. And um, we released what we call the smooth finish very soon after our, our rustic finish, and that's kind of the other end of the spectrum. That's a very fine, very luxurious very sort of tonal beautiful calm finish so um that's uh that's totally different um aesthetic completely different aesthetic and that tends to be the finish that's most common for for residential projects and uh and uh and and larger buildings so um so yeah it ranges from a very very fine very sort of polished silky finish right through to, to really wonderful mysterious and uh, an intricate finishes
0: yeah uh, i've i've worked i did a, a loft conversion with the your your smooth finish okay and it it was a yeah an absolute joy um to to work with fantastic um, well that's that's good yeah, feedback um, <laughs> <laughs> yes um so i mean i guess I, I really enjoy seeing on your your website and your, your your sort of social media stuff that just how high end the um, the work that's that's being done or it, you know it is I think you know, that sort of, again that transition from that sort of homemade hippie uh, sort of viewpoint that a lot of people see natural materials yes. as to, to take that and completely demolish it and and put put you know. The super high-end luxurious uh, products is is really great to see. Yes, that
2: was um, that that was kind of fundamental to the entire sort of vision of uh, of of Adam and Katie was to 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 take clay plasters from from that category of sort of self-build and through to a what we've really done is created an entirely new category and mm-hmm. uh, it's it, it's it's taken a very old material a very ancient material and created this new this new product essentially as a, an entirely new category in the building sector and uh, that that was always sort of part of the part of the agenda of of Clayworks was was to shift it um, mm-hmm. so so fundamentally and um, one of one of the things that uh, we we were very lucky, again a lucky break around 2012, we were awarded the FX Design Award for for our finishes and uh, the the fact wow. that it can create such amazing designs, and uh, that that sort of catapulted us out of that um, that sort of barefoot market, as you describe it, and yes. uh, in, something enter something very different and um us ourselves and and again other other commercial clay plaster manufacturers uh we're we're all sort of embracing that that new market that new market opportunity and uh it's it it's exciting because it's it it has its shifted perceptions of of clay plasters entirely
0: have you have you come up against any uh sort of resistance to to this idea of using you know, mud uh, essentially um, to to people. F- uh, well, has there been any instance of people feeling like you know that's that's old peasant technology and we should move on past that to something new and better?
2: Well. Uh- no, not not once they not once they understand the product. Um, I did. Mm. Uh, I was asked to to give a talk to a, an interior. It was an interior design talk. So there was a room full of interior designers. And uh, this was probably two years ago. And um, in the sort of chit chat before the talk, a lady came up to me and said, "What are you doing here? Clay plasters are all about <laughs> mud huts, aren't they?" <laughs> so, um, I. I hope I hope I convinced her otherwise <laughs> by by the <laughs> end of the talk that uh, no clay plasters aren't only about mud huts. they are still about that which is uh, which is fantastic but uh, they're also about something very different now so no I we we haven't we haven't met any resistance uh, we've uh, we we've invoked a lot of intrigue and uh, a lot of interest and we we have, we, we have had some interest, um, some interest, I would say, from architects, designers, where you've had an architectural designer who's in love with the idea of clay plaster, but is unable to convince their clients. And, uh, their, their clients, uh, aren't, aren't ready for it. They, they haven't understood it. Not so much in this country, but in, in some other countries where, where maybe it's, uh, it's still, uh still not known very well or or again there are, there are some countries in the world where clay plaster has been much uh much more prevalent over over history and is still too mm-hmm. closely associated with, uh, with the with the sort of the mud hut type thing for for people yeah. to to be able to comprehend it as a luxury wall finish but uh we we also we also don't want to just be luxury here you know we we are used a lot for for luxury wall finishes but um in view of the, the health benefits of of clay plasters we're we're really really excited for it to be used more in in housing and multiple housing and eco housing and passive housing um because we we want people to have access to healthy healthy living conditions
0: yeah uh, there's one of the 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 little thrills in my life is uh, when I get to go past Gloucester Services and uh, <laughs> me too, and pop in, me and, too. yeah.
2: <laughs> not not for the clay plasters, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I just love it there.
0: <laughs> yes, well, it's been said that it's a, a destination venue. Yes, <laughs> we, should, yes. Uh, we should all be heading there for a day out.
2: Oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Fantastic! After you've been um, on the motorway to to be able to stop there and have lunch or something, just ideal.
0: Yeah. And I, well, one of the the little details that always makes me grin is just the the toilet signs yes. or uh, scrafito, <laughs> yes. scrafito clay plaster.
2: Yes, and the, and the farm shop signs. We did all the farm shop signs there. So, yes, Gloucester yeah. Services is. um uh, I think it's we we we're, we're there. We're throughout Gloucester Services throughout the walls there. And uh, it's it's all part of the that the package of of Gloucester services, isn't it? That that look and that feel of just somewhere wonderful. Um, most people, of course, don't know it's clay plasters. There's there's nothing there to say that, and uh, it's it's not a high profile case study of ours. So uh, it's something we often say to people if they say, "Well, where can we see it?" Well, do you ever go past Gloucester? Yes. Um, oh, really? Was that clay plaster? So they they are surprised. Um, but, uh, yes, that's, uh, that's a beautiful venue and a very accessible yeah. venue for people to see the material.
0: Yeah. Well, great. I mean, thank you so much for, first of all, taking the time, but also just for the, the really great work that you're, you're doing. It's, it is, I think it's so important to have that, that almost like a, a halo, uh, product or, yeah range of products that's, that's, really making people aspire to to that that you know that aesthetic
2: um it uh it is it's, not just it's ex- exciting not just times. aesthetic i should say yeah no it's 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 exciting times um exciting times for uh for the industry and uh for i think anybody working with natural materials sustainable materials and healthy materials um i'm hoping we're all really hoping that there's going to be a fundamental change in in the industry and that People aren't going to have to live in sort of terrible damp, horrible houses, unhealthy houses, and uh, that we can, we, we can change that and that we can, we can use natural materials to achieve what we need to achieve in architecture. As you said, uh, you know, good acoustics, calm environments, the right humidity, and, uh, and, and just materials that are going to To help keep all the sort of nasty things at bay.
1: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems.
0: Huge thanks to Claire for taking the time to speak with me and of course to Adam and Katie for all their exceptional hard work over the years. Normally at this point I'd ask you to support the podcast on Patreon but not this episode. Today uh, I'm going to finish with a few ways that you can support the podcast for free because uh, I know money's a bit tight at this time of year and it certainly is for me. So here are the alternatives. Firstly I've just set up a YouTube channel. And I am uploading the podcasts slowly. Currently, I'm up to episode five, I think. But if you search for that Building Sustainability podcast on YouTube, and then if you subscribe to that channel, when I get to a thousand subscribers, I start getting advertising income. So if everyone who listens to this episode subscribes, then I'll hit that number in a month. Uh, Second thing you can do is if you're listening on iTunes or Apple, uh, is rate and review this podcast. Um, that really goes a long way to getting people to listen. All of the algorithm business. And the third and final way is just to share the episodes when they come out. So on Instagram and Facebook, I am Jeffrey the Natural Builder, and on Twitter, I am J Natural Builder. And every time I produce a new episode, I post about it on my social medias. And if you can share one of those then it just means that all the more people find out about it. And then hopefully that means that all the more people get inspired to build in a sustainable manner. Okay, that's probably it. Uh, I've got one last episode for you this year. I hope that you're all staying healthy and well. And if you're listening to this while driving home for Christmas, oh no, Christmas song. All the best. See you soon.